0: All right, let's go ahead and jump into our week two of our series. Our Christmas series is entitled His Name Shall Be Called. Um, we have been in, our text for this series is Isaiah 9 6. It is a scripture that a lot of us know. We hear a lot about it at Christmas time, we see it on. Uh, a lot of uh, wooden items at Hobby Lobby. Uh, and really what we see here is Isaiah is, is kind of giving names to the Messiah. Uh, and so we're going to look at these names week by week. Last week we talked about uh, Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Uh, but we're gonna, and this week we're going to talk about him being our mighty God. But before we do that, let's look at our scripture. Again, it's in Isaiah 9, 6. And in Isaiah 9, 6 it says this. It says, For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, Father, I need you right now. I need you all the time, but I need you right now to help me. To communicate what you have placed in my heart. That, Father, that my words, which are not enough, would stop so that your words could begin. Because your words change things. Your words, when they're spoken, take darkness and bring light. They bring things that are dead to life. They, they, They take things that are broken and they put them together. Not my words, but your words. And so that's what we need this morning. And so, God, I pray that you would help us in this moment to be open to what you want to show to us about your names. Because we understand that your names are important. They show us things about who you are and what you do. And, Father, I pray that you'd help us to open our hearts to those things this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We kind of talked about this last week. Um, we kind of brought this up, but I kind of wanted to bring it up again really quickly this morning as we kind of look at these names. Um, we talked last week about how names are kind of different today than they were then. Uh, today, names are usually names that we come up with that... that, that um, Maybe we name our, our child after our father or our mother or after ourselves or whatever. Um, in fact, um, we just um, kind of cool to share with you. We, we Emily and I became um, uncle and aunt again this week. I don't know how many we have, but Emily's sister had a, a brand new, well, I guess they're all brand new, <laughs> baby boy. And, uh, and he, mom is doing well, and, and, and Gabriel is his name, Gabriel's doing well, but they named him Gabriel Brandon Mays, and, and Brandon is his dad's middle name, and so he's named after his dad, you know, and that's kind of what we do today. We take our names, and, and obviously that's important, but back in Jesus' time, and even before that, names were a little bit different. They, they weren't just names that were given um, as far as, oh, they're named after somebody. They were names that kind of were their character, and the things that they did, or the things that they saw. And so I want to put this in our notes again. It was in our notes last week, but so we kind of understand what we're talking about and it's this. It says the idea isn't that these will be the literal names of the Messiah or of Jesus. Instead, these are aspects of his character. They describe who he is And what he has come to do. So as we look at this series, last week we talked about, again, Wonderful Counselor. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus as Mighty God. As we look at these things, we need to understand that these names are a little bit more than sometimes we give them credit for. These names are to help us really understand who Jesus is and what he'll do. And that's important. Okay, So the first one we're going to talk about, or the second one actually, as we're on week two, is this understanding that his name shall be called Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, what's interesting to me as we start this, as we look at mighty God, and we're going to look at some examples of of other places in Scripture where we see that term and we see that title. But it's interesting to me as we look back in Isaiah, that, that what Isaiah is talking about is interesting. He doesn't say, his Scripture doesn't begin with this idea, for unto us a Savior is given. He doesn't say unto us a man is given. It says for unto us a child is given. And it's interesting here that we see this concept of Jesus coming as a child, but at the same time, he's still mighty God. One of the things that I've talked with people about that sometimes they have a hard time getting their head around is how could Jesus, just unbelievable God of all creation, be, be this little, humble himself to be this little child? And a lot of times we like Christmas and the world likes Christmas because Jesus, in their mindset, is the little baby in the manger. He's this little, unassuming, safe thing, He's this little guy that we can control. I just told you, you know, we just got a new um, nephew. We didn't do anything to help with this, but we just got one. You know, it's really nice. And we got all these pictures, because obviously when a child is born, you have to take 458,000 pictures, because that's the rule. And so we've gotten about that many, and they've been great and fine and whatever. And you know what, it's always, you know, there has never been, yet, maybe we'll get one today, but there has not been one picture of little Gabe walking around... Doing calculus. Not one. Here's major league all the pictures. Okay? Gabe sitting there in mom and dad's arms. That's it. That's it. That's all we've seen. But yet in scripture here we see this concept of this little child given to us and we're seeing him described, what he is and what he's going to do as mighty god and that's hard for us sometimes to comprehend we like to keep jesus in the manger But here, even at the beginning, even when Isaiah is prophesying hundreds and thousands of years before his birth, what we are seeing here is this understanding that, listen, this little baby is more than just a little baby. He is something mighty. He's something strong. And unfortunately, I find this sometimes not just in the the people that don't know Jesus, but the people that do. We want to keep Jesus in our lives in that manger. We want to keep him controllable and keep him small and keep him contained. The problem is, is that is not who Jesus is. He is mighty God. He is bigger than that. Look at uh, Jeremiah 32, 17 through 19. It says this. Jump back for me. That's all right. Oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, let's continue. It says, but you show steadfast love to thousands, but you replay the guilt of of the fathers to their children after them. Oh, great... And mighty God, who we see it again, mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty in deeds, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. Big, mighty, strong. Look at De- Deuteronomy 10. In Deuteronomy 10, we see this. It says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. Here we're seeing these scriptures where we're seeing the greatness of God, the mightiness of Jesus, the mightiness of His Son. We're beginning to see all these things and you go, well, but are, well, well, but, but isn't this about God? Is this really about Jesus? Well let's go back then. Let's look at John. In John 1, we see an interesting thing. We see John 1. It says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. This word here we know is speaking of Jesus. And it says the word was with God and the word was God. From the very beginning, Jesus was with God. He was about God. They were one. It was a special relationship they had. It says he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Verse number four, it says the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. We have to understand here that, that Jesus is more than just God's son, he is that mighty God that we see in in the Old Testament, that that, that the the prophets prophesy about, that, that, that they express about. This is who Jesus is. He's not this little baby that stays in the manger. He's strong. He's mighty. There's other scripture where it talks about Jesus and God being our mighty warrior. But we don't always treat him that way. We don't always see him that way. And that's a problem for us. Because when we don't understand who Jesus really is, then we won't be able to understand what he can do in our lives. You see, here's the thing. If, if you've kept Jesus in the manger, if you've refused to look at him as who he is, if you've refused to, to kind of look at him and say, this is who Jesus is, is a mighty God in my life, that can affect us in a very negative way. And I think we all do it at times. I think we all kind of like God to kind of be containable. We kind of like this this idea that God stays in this place. And, and, And that can be somewhat wrong. Because we deny the power that God has. We deny that. We deny it for us and we deny it for others. Now, let's look at something interesting okay and and guys i know that i'm moving advent around okay so you i haven't forgotten you okay we're just going to move it to the to the end okay says so let's look at this next one it says what evidence do we have that jesus name is correct okay what evidence do we have i like evidence i like i like when i when somebody presents something to me and i can see okay i can see this so so is jesus name correct Is he really mighty God? Well, I think there are some things that we can look at to prove that he is this name. This name is correct. And the first one I want to look at is his teaching. Look at Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, it says this. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things... And this is after the Sermon on the Mount. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now this is important that we catch this. Now we talked about this when we did the Sermon on the Mount in the summer. But I'm going to talk about it again just real briefly. For he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Listen, his teaching had authority. It was more than just, oh, this might be a good idea, or hey, hey, have you thought about this? It was coming from a place of power and might and understanding and knowledge, and it was a situation that we have to understand today that, we, that when Jesus speaks, it's with authority. When he teaches us, it's with authority. And here's what's beautiful about this, okay? Jesus still is trying to teach us things. Okay, listen, listen, we are never going to stop learning about who Jesus is. Okay, if you think, oh, when when we get to heaven and when when all this was wrapped up and it's all done and time's no more and all that stuff, we're just going to stop learning. No, 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 no. God is so big and so much. We're going to experience for eternity this learning of who he is. This teaching that Jesus wants to do, it's, it's important. And we need to understand that he still has the authority. He's still the teacher. He's still the rabbi that we need to learn from. Okay? That we need to learn from. And so, so with that, can I ask you just a simple question? If I asked you this, could you? And maybe, maybe I'll, even, I'll be nice about it and I'll just say, write it down. What's the last thing Jesus taught you? Can you tell me? Can you tell me what the last thing? Could you go, Jesus is teaching me this. One of the things that my wife will do, and it used to drive me crazy, I'll be honest with you. And then I realized how how wise it was. She'll ask me this question. What is Jesus teaching you today? What is Jesus speaking to you today? And it used to, and it would bother me. And here's why it would bother me. Because sometimes the answer was nothing. And that wasn't on Jesus, guys. That was on me. Okay, But he wants to teach us. His teaching proves it. His teaching, which is so, uh, has so much authority and so much power, it, it changes us and it changes things. Next, his miracles. Look at Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, we see an interesting portion of scripture. Uh, and we're just going to read it because it kind of shows where we're at. But it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus... Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Simple question. Basically, John is going, hey, are you it? Are you the guy? This is what Jesus says. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. What does Jesus do here? He's asked, are you mighty God? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been looking for? What's Jesus? Jesus could have just said, yep. But he doesn't. And he could have said, yep. And that's it. We would have saved millions and millions of gallons of ink. But he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily even say yes. He says, look at what's happening. I like this because what does Jesus tell us? He says, you're going to be known by your fruit. Jesus here is saying, look at the fruit. Look, I am mighty God. I am this Messiah because look what's happening. Look what's going on. Look at the miracles that are being done. Look at the fact that the good news is being preached. And we see here that he uses these things to prove that he is mighty God. That he is a wonderful counselor. That he is the Messiah. Next, his rejection of temptation and sin. Look at Hebrews 4.15. We talked about this last week. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness... But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The fact that he was able to deal with the temptation and not sin one time. And I was thinking about this this week, and and, and I'm kind of still... Uh, I'm, Kind of rolling still in my mind is trying to figure out exactly kind of where I'm at on this. But, but, but it's kind of interesting to me because I was thinking about it. And we see something very interesting in Scripture. We see a specific time where Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the enemy. Okay, We most all know that story and things like that. But I was thinking about it this week. How, and I'm, like I said, I'm just trying to put this together. Because we do have that one instance of temptation that's very intense at that moment. So obviously we understand a couple of things from that. Number one, Satan knew who Jesus was. I don't know if he knew and understood the, the, the plan of God as we understand it today in hindsight. But he understood that Jesus was there and he wasn't there in, in Satan's mind for something good for him. Does that make sense?
1: How hard
0: do you think he tempted Jesus? Think about that for a second. Like, like, think about how we're tempted today. How much more was the enemy going after him? And yet, without sin. Yet, without sin. Listen, I don't know about you, and I'll just speak for me. I, sometimes it's like tough to make it an hour without thinking something I shouldn't. Or saying something I shouldn't. Or doing something I shouldn't. Jesus lived his entire life sinless. He was able to combat that temptation and that sin. His mightiness did it. And then the final thing, obviously, his death and resurrection. Look at Acts 2. We're going to start with 22. We're going to jump around a little bit. But this is Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible, and I love this scripture, it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It's impossible. Listen, listen, we need to understand this, okay? If if we die right now, we're dead, Jesus, it was impossible. Mighty God, stronger than death, stronger than sin, stronger than temptation, strong and mighty and powerful, and death could not keep its hold on him. It was impossible. I love that. I love that our God, conquered it all. I love that our God came and died and was raised again and now has the keys to death, hell, and the grave because he is strong and mighty and powerful. So that's great. That's fine. That's awesome, right? But we kind of need to bring it home a little bit. And let's ask a simple question. Why do we need such a mighty God? Why do we need such a mighty God? Because here's the thing. We can acknowledge the power of God. We can acknowledge how strong, mighty warrior and all these things. But we've got to bring it home, okay? We have to look at ourselves and understand some things, okay? And this is where if we don't do this... This is where we can tend to kind of keep Jesus in that manger and keep him. And that's simply this. Why do we need that? He is mighty because we need to be rescued. We need to be rescued. I think one thing that we sometimes forget in this season and in this time and that's okay, we, we do, because we tend to focus in on, on a lot of things, is we forget that Jesus came on a rescue mission. He came. Why did Jesus come? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to rescue us. He came to be that rescuer. We need to understand that that is what we need. Look at Acts 4. In Acts 4, 10 through 12. Is it up there? There it is. Okay? that says this. Then know this. be saved. We've got to understand that. We've got to come to that place where we know there is one name, there is one salvation and it is only found in Jesus. And you go, that's great, but we also have to understand that we're the ones that need this. We're the ones that need that rescue. And look, that's a beautiful thing. I love this verse in in, uh, Zephaniah. This is what it says in 317. It says, the Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior, there it is again, who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. We need to be rescued. Listen, and I want you to hear my heart here, okay? Because this is talking about me too, okay? But it's something we need to understand. One of the most dangerous places you can be at When you are saved, hear me here, is this concept that you have got it all together. That you, at this point, do not need Jesus anymore. And and here's what's so dangerous about it. There has never been anyone who's walked into my office and uttered those words. But their life has shown that they have gotten to this place where they feel they have reached a location in their spiritual walk where Jesus is no longer rescuer. That is dangerous. Because in that moment, we stop relying on God and we start relying on ourselves and what we can do and what we have done and what we are Doing Now listen, those things should be a part of our lives. We need to be doing, doing good things. Let our fruit would be shown. That's good. But we never want to get to a place where we think we've arrived. Okay? We never want to get to a place where we have forgotten who we are and who Jesus is. Listen, listen, we sing this old song and we all, well pretty much everybody really likes it. And it's this song, Amazing Grace. That song didn't stop being sung in your life when you got saved. You need that grace every day. Every day. And here's what's beautiful about that grace and mercy is God lavishes it upon us. God gives it in abundance. And I love here that we see that he saves, that he does this. He doesn't rebuke us, but he rejoices over us with singing. Listen, it's okay to realize you need help. It's okay to run to your father and know you can't do this on your own. Listen, you weren't supposed to. It's okay to go to him and say, Jesus, I need you to be a mighty God in this situation or in this circumstance or in this problem or in this time in my life. We need him. We all desperately need to be rescued because here's the problem and if you're like me and and here's the thing I think most of us are kind of like me we don't stop finding ourselves needing it because we kind of put ourselves in that place and Jesus wants to be that rescuer he wants to come into those places and do amazing things in us So he's mighty because we need to be rescued. And second, he is mighty because we need freedom. We need freedom. You see, Jesus doesn't just come to give us salvation in the life to come. He comes to give us freedom today and tomorrow. And a lot of people don't walk in that freedom. A lot of people, they, they, they bind themselves up with all the cares and all the things of this world. Why? Why do we do that? In some cases, it's because we have forgotten that we need him. We've forgotten that we need that rescue. And we have forgotten that Jesus came to bring freedom to the captive. To bring an amazing transformation. When he's standing in, in Luke and, and he begins to, uh, I think it's in Luke, uh, forgive me if it isn't, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. And he's getting ready to begin his ministry. He reads out of the scriptures and he basically says that he has come to bring freedom to the captive. It's amazing to me how many people, and myself included at times, walk around in bondage because we have forgotten that we need rescue. We've walked around thinking we can handle it. Oh, I can deal with it. When Jesus is the one who looked at us and said, listen, let it go. My burden is light. Let me help you. Let me be a part of this situation. Because he's strong. He can handle it. Look at Romans 6. In Romans 6, 6, uh, moving on in verse 11, we see this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Listen, the power that sin has over us is mighty, and it is strong, it destroys, it can be a problem, and we need to understand that. But for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now I want you to stop, and I want you to think about your life for a second. Would you categorize your Christian walk as that? Would you consider it, I have been free from the power of sin? Or do we walk around still under its control a little bit? And I'm not talking about being perfected or or being perfect. I'm talking about there's a difference between understanding that we are still being transformed in the likeness of Christ and we still mess up and being controlled and By the power of sin. You get me? Okay. Jesus came to bring freedom from that. Freedom from that. Okay. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Let's continue with verse number nine. We were sure of this. Because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. This is important. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through Jesus Christ. I love how Paul, it's almost like Paul was a lawyer in my mind. You know, it's like he'll say this and this and this and then he'll say, and because of all these things, because of all that Jesus has done, that power can and should be broken in our lives. Can and should. The question here is not, is Jesus mighty enough to give us freedom in every situation that we find ourselves in bondage from? The question I believe, is are we willing to understand that we are in bondage and willing to go to him and say, Jesus, I need freedom. I need freedom from that. When you look at the story of Christmas, it's so many wonderful things. But he came to rescue us, to save us, And break us free of the bondage of sin. Because what? The wages of sin is what? It's death. It's death. And Jesus came in his power, in his might, in his strength. He came and defeated all of those things. So now we can walk in that freedom. We can walk in that power that Christ has been given. The authority. He is Mighty God. Mighty God. And sometimes we need to remember that. Sometimes it's easy to keep him in a manger. We're going to do things a little bit different. And I didn't tell anybody, I I didn't know until maybe about three minutes before the service started. But we're going to do our Advent right now. We usually do it before I speak, but I just felt like it was important. So we're going to play the video, and John and Michelle are going to come on up, and we're going to do this advent, and then we're going to have an altar time together, okay? So, guys, if you want to come on up, and Monica, if you would, let's hit the video. job, guys. Thank you. Ask the worship team to come on up. I'm also going to ask um, if the board members would kind of be over here on the left. uh, People needed to come, and I want you to be there if they want to pray with you guys. um, But Today, we, we, we lit the candle of peace, and we're going to talk about peace later on, week four, you know, but as I was in worship, I just felt like God was saying to me that there are some people here that, that need his peace. Peace. That need to understand and accept the fact that they need rescue, and that there's some individuals that that you've known that for a while if that makes sense, but you've just for whatever reason, whether it just be just just not wanting to, to bother God or or, or or feeling like it's not that big of a deal or or feeling like God has more important things or more important people to take care of, whatever, whatever the reason is, and you've just not gone to him and let him bring that peace in your life. You haven't run to him and said, you know what, Jesus, you know. And here's the thing. It may be people that have known him for a long, long time, it may be people that, that don't know him at all. It may, you know, it, it, it's all. It's all gamuts. We we never stop needing Jesus. We never want to get to that place where we don't understand the rescue that Jesus wants to do in our lives. And, and yes, Jesus may have, and I hope he has, done the ultimate rescue in your life, and you've accepted him and You're on your way to spend eternity with him, and that's great. But but see, Jesus is bigger than that. He wants to rescue you from all the things that you're dealing with right now. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life abundantly. He didn't say when you're dead. He said, I came to give it to you right now. I came to allow you to walk in freedom today from what is bound you up. Listen, one of the greatest things you can get for Christmas this year is freedom. Freedom from the hard things that you're dealing with. And here's the thing. You can sit in your chair and go home and miss it. can, but I believe that Jesus desperately wants to be that mighty God in your life this morning. He desperately wants to show you that no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard or difficult, or no matter what the doctor has said, no matter what your family has said, no matter what it is, that he can be mighty in that place for you. He is that mighty warrior, and he'll fight for you. And he'll he'll bring forth in his strength and his authority, victory and freedom. And I want that for me, and I want that for you, and it is available to us. It is a gift that Jesus has come to bring peace into your life. You don't have to walk out of here like you were when you walked in. You can allow Jesus to be that strong, mighty God. Listen, don't keep Jesus in the manger. He grew up. And he lived a sinless life. And he died and rose again. Why? So he could be there for you. So he could be strong for you and be that mighty warrior that he always has been. It's so easy to keep him there in that safe place. But when you do, all you do is see a a little baby that doesn't have the power to change your life when that's exactly who he is, when that's exactly what he can do. Even when he was that little child, he could do it then, he can certainly do it now. Up at the right hand of the Father. But we have got to be willing to humble ourselves, acknowledge our need, acknowledge that we need Him, acknowledge that we are in desperate need of rescue, and allow Him to be mighty God in that situation. So if that's you, listen, it can be so easy, oh, I'll just sit here in my seat and I'll pray, and that's that's fine, it really is. I mean, it's not like Jesus is going to go, well, that doesn't count, okay? I'm just being honest with you. But listen, there is something important and special about joining with somebody and praying together. And that's why I've asked the, the, the board members, the deacons to come up this morning so that they could agree with you. And for some of you, maybe it's, maybe it's' you've never you've never accepted Jesus. Jesus has always just kind of been that baby in that manger and, and, and on that holiday, didn't he get born or something. Listen, Jesus came from the very beginning to seek and save those that were lost. And every single person, at one time, we were lost. We were dead in our sin. But Jesus came to give us life and to bring from death life and light in us and through us. And listen, one of the reasons he came was for you. And so I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never realized until this morning how much of a rescuer you need. And that Jesus is that rescuer. He is the one you need. Listen, there is salvation found in no one else but Jesus. No other thing but Jesus. And maybe you need to go find one of these amazing leaders just say, you know what? This morning, I need Jesus. And they'll pray with you. And they'll help you. And for others, man, you're just going through some stuff right now. And you need a mighty God. You don't need a weakling. You don't need a, you need a mighty God. And that's who Jesus is. He's a mighty warrior. And you need to go and you need to, get with somebody and you just need to say, you know what? I'm dealing with this thing. I'm dealing with this situation in my home or in my finances or my job or with my kids or whatever it is and you need to get with somebody and you need to pray and let God be that mighty warrior for you. So listen, I'm going to pray and then actually let's do it this way, okay? If that's you, Okay? I just want you right now, just go, okay? Just go. Go find somebody. Don't be shy. Don't be, don't, don't miss this moment for the freedom that Jesus came to give you. Don't let him walk, don't walk out of here the same, okay? Don't, maybe, maybe you need to grab somebody's hand that, you know, your wife or your husband or somebody, a friend of yours, just grab and say, will you go with me? Just go, just get up there, Okay? and experience what Jesus wants to do in your life, okay? I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna turn it over to the worship team, and we're just gonna allow this time to be a time of worship and prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you. God, you're so good, and Jesus, you are that mighty warrior that we need, and we will never stop needing you. We will never get to a place where we've got it all figured out, and that's good. That's a great place to be. There's no shame in that. That's what we need. We constantly need you. We need you because you're still, you love us so much and you want to be a part. And Father, maybe there's some of us that have never accepted you. And today, there's this opportunity and Jesus, you're calling them and you're saying, come on up, come on up. Let me be that mighty God. Your sin is powerful and you can't break it on your own. You need me. And let us be obedient to that. Father, we love you and we thank you. For all those that are still seated, let's stand and let's worship. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Father.